No Junk Mail presents The Trading Post, Chapter 9 Read to you by the author, James R. Von Felt Day 6 Continued Philip and Inu talked for a few minutes and then turned to us with instructions. I was to go with Inu to track down the wounded cougar and kill it. We had seen the spear sticking through the cougar's body when it left, and Philip said he thought he had hit it with the pistol shot. Wounded cougars are twice as dangerous, so we had to finish him off as soon as possible. Philip had found the pistol in the underbrush and was going to stay with the group. They were headed back to the beach. Inu and I tracked the wounded cougar as silently as we could. I had changed the sword for a spear in one hand and a fighting stick in the other. As we proceeded, we could see the tracks of the retreating cougar and occasionally some drops of blood. It had been moving fast at first, but then the steps were closer together, which meant it had slowed down. We found a small pool of blood on the ground, so it must have stopped for a bit. Then the tracks were close together. Inu and I were about 12 feet apart, and we were taking one step at a time, looking all around. As we approached a large, dense bush, we heard a hiss. The cougar had backed into the bush and was almost invisible. It hissed one more time, then leaped towards us. Inu had the rifle in position. He shot twice. The huge cat fell two feet in front of me, knocking my spear to the side. I froze. I just stood there and peed my pants. Inu had his gun aimed at the huge cat in case it sprang to life again. It didn't move. I was sick to my stomach but couldn't vomit. After a few minutes, Inu laid down his rifle and began gutting and skinning the cougar. Perhaps cause of the shock of the whole thing, I concentrated on watching Inu skin the cougar. I was mesmerized by the steam rising in curling whiffs off the carcass, the smell of fresh kill, the blood, the guts. Inu was fast. Each stroke was just right, and he didn't make any holes in the skin. That's important when you skin an animal and want to keep the fur. Soon enough, Inu had peeled the skin off the carcass. He folded it up and gave it to me to carry. We made our way back to the other cougar, which was lying where he shot it. This one was the female cougar. Even though it was smaller than the other one, it took longer to skin. At least it seemed to take longer. Perhaps Inu was absorbing the magnitude of the situation, or maybe he was getting tired. I didn't know. We didn't say a word. Finally, it was done, and the skin was lying on the ground. As Inu was getting up, I went to pick it up. Inu stopped me and gave me the rifle. Then he picked the skin up. Together we walked to our camp in silence. It was still early morning, but so much had happened. We were exhausted, and Daryl and Alex were wounded. They weren't saying anything, no sound, no talk, no crying, no whimpering, nothing. 
It was weird. We rested and drank water from the lake. We were all hungry but didn't mention it. We talked in low tones and dozed off from time to time. Inu sat looking at the entrance of the forest where all of our footprints disappeared into the darkness. His eyes seemed to be riveted upon something far away, perhaps a different time or place. Daryl and Alex were out of commission, but we needed food. As strange as it may seem, we didn't even consider eating the cougars. It was just understood by all of us that they were off-limits. Even in a normal hunting situation, it's rare for hunters to eat a cougar or a black bear. But after our battle to survive against the two cougars, it was just wrong to eat them. After resting for a while, we started talking it over and making assignments. We moved as a team. Billy stayed at camp with Alex and Daryl. He had the pistol and would stand guard. The rest of us went foraging, looking for something to eat. Grubs, worms, roots, leaves, weeds, anything. About a quarter mile southwest from camp, we found a shallow creek running into the lake. We caught a good mess of crawdads there. A mess means enough for all of us. We found worms, weeds, barks, and grubs, too. We were gone two to three hours, maybe more. When we came back, Billy hollered at us. He was getting over the shock of the cougar fight. Besides that, he was hungry, and he wanted to know what we'd found. As I said before, grubs were not my favorite. But with a side dish of worms and a root sprinkled with leaves and weeds, they're okay. However, boiled crawdads tops any of that. I was really hungry. When we'd eaten all the food we'd gathered, Philip and I went back to the creek to catch more crawdads. When we came back to our camp, everyone was sleeping. I guessed it was early afternoon, but I wasn't sure because of the overcast skies and mist. We decided to join everyone else, and we laid down and slept too. Later, Billy shook me and Looney awake, saying, We've got to get going. Where, I asked. We've got to make the outrigger, he said. I was rested and ready to go. You know, it's amazing how fast you bounce back when you're a kid. And, like I said before, a guy's mind can change gears and go off in entirely new directions almost instantly. We had to get Alex and Daryl to a doctor and Inu's furs to the trading post, so we had to build that outrigger. Philip had the pistol and went with us into the woods. We were looking for a log big enough to hold two of us without sinking, yet small enough so we could drag it to the water. Besides that, we needed a smaller log that would serve as the outrigger, and we needed poles that we could use to lash the outrigger to the main log. When we went into the woods, we saw lots of downed logs to choose from. The logs leaning on other trays are called widow makers because they could easily fall over and crush a man. We avoided them. We picked a downed log that was about 14 inches in diameter and 12 feet long. We had to chop off several small limbs with the sword before we could move it. 
It was heavy. It took all of us, and we had to carry it to the water. Then we went back and found the smaller outrigger log and the poles. While we were working in the woods, we identified logs that looked like they would make a good raft. We were already talking about having to float Alex, Daryl, and the Furs to the trading post. We dragged some of the logs to the edge of the woods for later. Philip found the sticks, leaves, and pine boughs we needed for paddles. We had plenty of rope to tie the outriggers together and fishing strings to make the paddles. However, we could see that the raft was going to take more rope than we had. Once we got busy on the outrigger, Philip and Enu went hunting. Looney made a cook fire and started building a lean-to. The problem we ran into while making the outrigger was how to keep the poles out of the water so it would be easier to paddle. We tried several combinations before we were satisfied that the outrigger was going to work. We weren't too picky because we just needed something that would last us for one trip. The outrigger didn't really take long to complete. It looked good to us and it floated. The two paddles came next. They were made out of saplings about two inches thick and five feet long. The saplings had a Y shape to build the paddle part in. We put pine boughs on both sides of the Y and big leaves in the middle, weaving them together to hold everything in place. Once the outrigger and paddles were made, we pushed the outrigger into the lake. Then we paddled around for a few minutes to make sure it would work. It did. We were ready to take it out for real in the morning. After we came back to shore, we brought loony wood for the cook fire and the lean-to. We also gathered enough wood for an all-night fire. Looney had laid a trout line in the lake. A trout line is a fishing line with many hooks along the line. We liked trout lines because we could throw them in the water and go do other stuff. If we're real lucky, we could catch several fish. Looney had found a narrow stone, which he tied to the end of the line and threw it out into the lake. He had tied small sticks to the fish line which acted as floats and kept some of the hooks off the lake bottom. He had baited the hooks with worms left over from breakfast. As we were gathering our last load of firewood, Philip and Enu came back with a small deer. They had cleaned it where they killed it. They also found crawdads and minnows. We walked back to camp together and saw that the cook fire was ready. Billy sliced up the deer meat and boiled the crawdads. We gathered some green sticks to roast the chunks of deer meat on over the fire. Looney checked out his trout line, and he had two wide-mouthed bass. We roasted the fish over the fire, too. Alex and Daryl were both in pain. Enu checked Daryl's shoulder wound. It looked bad. The bleeding had stopped, but the bandage was all bloody and had to be washed in the lake. Alex's wounds looked even worse. They weren't bleeding as much, but they were hot, swollen and oozing a little. We didn't have anything to clean Alex and Daryl's wounds with. We just kept them still and hoped they wouldn't start bleeding again. As the light faded, we built up an all-night fire in front of the spears. It was going to be a long, painful night for Daryl and Alex, and it would be a fitful night for us, 
as we heard their groans from time to time. That night, we heard the birds call and an animal thrash through the woods, but we felt fairly secure in camp with a fire going and two of us on guard. We also knew that since cougars' territories are so large, there was a good chance that no other cougars were in our area. Everyone took turns at the night watch, except for Alex and Daryl. Story continued on Chapter 10.